You're listening to Cleveland First Baptist Church's Wednesday night adult Bible study audio. For more information on Cleveland First Baptist Church, please visit clevelandfirstbaptistchurch.com. So we will, we're studying the story of Jesus walking on the water, and uh, this is for the, uh, what do you call it, for the website, so uh, the podcast, thank you, yeah. So Jesus um, is up in the mountain alone. The disciples are crossing the sea in the boat. And there's one of those uh, squalls comes up. And that I think we talked about that the other day. But it's very common uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And so in the middle of the night, the, the disciples are really struggling. They're struggling to keep things afloat. And we know from one of the other Gospels, it was the fourth watch. That means it was between... 3 and 6 a.m. So we're talking still dark, but um, maybe getting light or, you know, early morning. So they have been struggling a long time. And um, Jesus sees that. He's been praying for six or seven hours. And from the mountaintop, as he observes them, he decides uh, to go. And he walks on the water to them. One of Mark tells us that he was going to go by them. Now, I thought about that, you know, what that really means. I didn't find a, a suitable explanation, but my guess is that he knew they would be terrified. He saw that they were okay, and he was just going to meet them on the other side. But they see him, and guess what? They are terrified. Why do you think they say it's a ghost? Do you know why they say that? Because for fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, there was um, a kind of wives' tale. It's very common, and we know it just from history, that uh, they believed that before a boat went down and everybody drowned, they would see the ghost of whatever that is from the sea. And so when they see somebody walking on the water, they're thinking, our time is up, and it scares them to death. Um, so, what does it mean for Jesus to walk on the water? Well, there may be a connection to uh, Job 9, 8, in which God says, he alone, or Job says about God, he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. So, it could be that, um, that when Matthew writes this, or when, that, that he, is, he is thinking about, this very passage, you know, Jesus walking on the water, um, which would do what? It would connect Jesus to God himself because this is God speaking. Also, Mark tells us that uh, when Jesus was about to pass them by, he uses the verb that is found in that same chapter in Job, when he passes me, I cannot see him. So those are probable connections that show, um, you know, that the gospel writers understood Jesus also to be God. And then when Jesus uh, calms his disciples' fear, what does he say? All right, when they say it's a ghost, how does Jesus respond to that? Look in your Bibles. Look at verse 27. I am here. 
And guess what that is? Here is that's our need to add a verb for it to make sense in English. But really what Jesus said was, I am. You got to let that sink in. That is the same word that God used to name himself. I am that I am. Okay, so um, that certainly wouldn't have passed the disciples' uh, observation. So Jesus, Matthew shows us that Jesus was demonstrating his own deity by walking on the water. Um, let me just ask you this. Um, the fear of the disciples was really unjustified because they were in the presence of God himself. So really nothing could go wrong. But they are more than frightened. They are terrified. Now, they don't understand exactly what is going on at that point. Let me just ask you, you know, how about us? Don't, don't we also fear a lot because especially the things that, that we don't understand? Uh, before we started, I was talking to Patty, um, you know, about what, what they're calling the, the long haulers, I believe, the people who have COVID and then months later have terrible symptoms, especially heart damage and all of that. And the, the program I saw on it, uh, the doctor that was explaining it, he said, really, the most frightening thing is the unknown because we, don't, we do not understand what is going on. We don't understand how this can be happening, but it is happening to lots of people. And so I think, I think that's pretty typical for, of us. Any situation that we face where there's a big unknown, it's not easy for us to handle. And Jesus was there. Really, what does he say? You don't have to be afraid because I am, because I'm God, and I'm with you, and I'm here, you know, and that, um, I'm sure that was hard for the disciples to wrap their head around in the middle of the night. It is hard for us as well to, you know, to keep our wits about us and to remember that God is in the midst of every situation we face. It doesn't matter what it is. Okay. Then um, Peter gives us a brave demonstration of faith. Um, Peter understands who it is that is walking toward them. Uh, his request itself is really a, a tremendous statement of his faith in who Jesus was and what Jesus could do. You know, you gotta, you got to think about that. They're in the midst of the waves and the storm and Jesus is standing out there on one of those waves and Peter, uh, you know, he is willing to get out of the boat and go. Now, he doesn't say, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming to you. What, do, what does he actually say? That's right. That is exactly right. He says, Lord, if it's you, you tell me to come and I will. I'll get out of this boat. I trust you that much. So if he had just said, Lord, I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of this boat. I'm coming. 
You know, that would have been much more about him and what he could do. Yeah, that's right. He would have been doing it on his own. But in this case, he asks for Jesus' instruction. And what he says is, I will do whatever you say. Now, I think a lot of times, and just speaking for myself, I'm more like the other, you know, the other option. I'll decide what is best for me, and, uh, and then I will do that, you know. And, and really, we're told to seek God's will in everything we do. Uh, you know, it is not an idle statement when we pray and say, Thy will be done. You know, we, we say it, it just rolls off our tongue. And I think generally we're not even thinking about what we're saying. But really when we face a decision or a crisis or a challenge or whatever it might be, we are to seek God's direction, His will. And uh, we need to take time to do that. We need to ask like Peter, Lord, you tell me to come and I will come. I will do whatever. You tell me to get out of this boat and I'm out of here. You know, But we need to wait until he does until he does tell us. Um, I'll never forget struggling myself with a situation. And um, I went to a trusted friend, a, a deacon in our church, and I told him, you know, kind of what I was thinking and asked him what, um, what, what he thought I ought to do. And this is exactly what he said. He said, well, what did God tell you to do? You ought to do what he says. I said, oh, good point. <laughs> you know, uh, of course. And, uh, and he said, well, has God told you to do that? And I said, well, no. No, not really. He said, well, I mean, what's your question? You know? <laughs> and uh, a very wise answer. You know, he didn't mince uh, any words, you know? kind of put me in my place, which I needed. Um, so really, when we're facing whatever we're facing, uh, we need to be very certain that we've brought that to, to Christ and have sought his will and have said, whatever you want me to do. Now, I do think that sometimes, and we've had, we faced this once, but where we, we had a a time limit, we had to make a decision to either go here or go there. And we just did not get a clear answer. And, and so we just had to make a decision and, uh, and God used that in a great way. And I, I think that that's God's way of saying, I'm with you either way. You know, just do what you want. That's all right. I'll be, I'll be with you. And, and that, was a good, that was a good thing. All right, let's talk about what, what real faith is. We look at this example and uh, we really, you know, we think of Peter's uh, examine, uh, example of faith. So a common thought is faith is knowing Jesus as the Son of God and believing that he can save us from our sin. That's kind of how we define our faith in Christ. But really, I think that we need to see it as more than that. It would help us, I think, to see the, the, what the church fathers, the early church fathers, um, 
They use three words to explain uh, faith. This would have been in Latin, but they use the first word, noticia, is, is knowledge. And it refers to understanding the doctrines of the gospel. That is who Jesus claimed to be and what he accomplished on the cross. So before I can have faith, saving faith, I really have to have a concept of what it means to be lost, what Jesus did on the cross and how that affects me. And, um, and, and I have to have that knowledge. I have to have that understanding. Uh, this week I talked to somebody who was uh, talking about uh, a child in their family. And um, he said, you know, uh, he, he wants to be baptized, but he doesn't yet understand what it means to be lost. And he said, I don't think that's a good idea. I, th- I said, I think you're absolutely right. You know, baptism is not going to save him, but, then he, but he has to understand you can't have saving faith in something you don't get. And uh, I think that we sometimes spend way too little time talking with somebody who wants to follow Christ and explaining to them what, what it actually means, what Jesus actually did, and why it's necessary. But that isn't enough, just knowledge. Uh, Ascensus, the second word that they use to describe faith, means to accept as real, to accept as real. So... Um, it, it would mean uh, have a, be in agreement with uh, assent to the doctrines that we understood. So it's saying I understand what the Bible teaches about Christ and about my condition and my need for a Savior and how Jesus did that on the cross. I understand that, but I also believe it. I agree with God on that. I don't question it. I know that I need a Savior. Um, so these two are really necessary for real faith. Um, but without the third, faith really remains incomplete. The third is fiducia, which means to trust in or to have faith in. Our word fidelity comes from this, this, um, word. So it means that the person actually commits themselves to what they understand and believe to be true. All right, they commit themselves. That is their life, their desires, their resources. Uh, it means stepping out of the boat toward Jesus. All right, so think of it this way. Uh, Peter's example really demonstrates all three of these. Um, Notitia, Peter believed that Jesus was the Son of God. He saw Jesus on the water. Jesus said, I am, it's me. And Jesus, Peter obviously believes that. He calls him Lord. Um, he said, Lord, if that is you, then, you know. And the second one, Peter has no contention with that understanding, no reservations. He says, I do believe that you are who you say you are, and you tell me to come, and I'm out of this boat. I'll be there, Right? And the third one, of course, is that he takes that step. When Jesus says, come, I will, I'll, I'll take care of you. You will, you will do it. He said, then, then he does it. Now, um, real faith, 
is is always uh, it always results in getting out of the boat. Okay, so I want us to think about that. But what what comes to mind? What what do we mean when we say um, to get out of the boat? There was an author. Uh, what was his name? Who wrote a great book, and it was it was called "You Can't Walk on Water Unless You Get Out of the Boat." And and that's so true. You know, it it is one thing to say I have faith. It is another thing to walk on water. So what what do I mean by that? How does that play out in in uh, life? Yeah. You know, and I wonder, would I have ever had that trust? Yeah. You know, that, that would have been, I, I, just, I just pray for it, not what to yeah. do. Yeah. Know? Well, and, and that is a great example. That is a great example. Um, do you, you have any other examples from, from your life? We, we typically think of that, like my first thought was the, the thought of, Going overseas, you know, we were, I mean, very hesitant about that, of course. But, you know, I think on a more everyday basis, we often have the chance to trust and to act, and often we don't do it. You know, if, if we're talking to a neighbor or somebody and we have an opportunity to share about Jesus and how he's you know, worked in our lives, and very often we we don't get out of the boat. You know, we kind of go, well, yeah, right, we miss an opportunity. Or um, we have an opportunity to serve in some way. And, you know, we go, well, we're so busy, and we have so much, and so, I mean, you know, that's just the way life is. And so we miss the blessings because we don't get out of the boat. And uh, so one of the lessons that Peter teaches us here is that we need to get out of the boat. Now, one thing I want to mention, too, about this third word, fiducia, also means it, it has the meaning of not just a one-time trust in. So it isn't about just an initial decision it is about a decision that leads to a different life, okay? So that's why our word fidelity comes from this word. That is one who is faithful and, and is there for the long haul. He is there for the long term, not just, you know, hot and cold, in and out. You know, and for, for many, many people, um, faith is something I did once, you know, got that all taken care of. It really is not faith at all because faith is fiducia. It's really, it is a long time, lifetime commitment, okay? Um, and, and we need to remember that. Are, are there things that would cause us to abandon that long-term obedience? There surely are, aren't there? And you know what? 
Peter faced one right here, you know. Um, he has a true but a faltering faith. Uh, so it's impossible, really, to read this story and, and not recognize his great faith and his colossal failure to maintain that faith. Um, so what, what happens to Peter? He gets out of the boat, and he heads toward Jesus, and what takes place? Oh, yeah. Takes his eyes off Jesus, and he sees those waves, and he thinks immediately, I am going under. You know, I am sunk. Um, hey, do we do that? Do we do that? Yes, we do, don't we? Um, we have situations where we think, you know, we're going to under, we're going to go under, we're not going to get through this, whatever it might be. But, you know, for us as followers of Christ, as children of God, if, if we really belong to Christ, then really what is the worst thing that can happen to us is that we lose our life. Well, I mean, and do you lose your life? You don't lose your life. You gain your life because, and, and we need to remember that, you know. Um, we're luckily not too often in that situation, but... You know, um, in whatever situation it might be, whether it's our work or whatever, we need, we need to remember that we have made a commitment for the long haul, you know, and we are going to be faithful. God will be faithful. He is not going to leave us. And things might get hard or difficult or not, but he will take care. You know, when, um, when we were in 2002 planning to go back to the uh, mission field and um, we could not return with the foreign mission board and that came as a very harsh and difficult reality to accept um, but we knew that God wasn't finished with us there we knew we were supposed to go back but you know I looked at the waves I don't think I was looking much at Jesus and I, you know, when we got that word, I just said, well, I told Nancy, I said, well, I guess I need to start looking for a job here, you know, because, I mean, we can't go back. She said, we're going back. I'm not kidding. That's what Nancy said. She says, suck it up. We're going back, you know. Pull yourself together. Uh, we know we're supposed to go back. God will somehow work that out, you know. Um, and amazingly, he did, you know, and I'm still awed by that today. Um, and so just like with Josh, you know, um, he, he will provide for you to be able to do what he calls you to do. And, and that should be a, a great comfort to us. Now, you know, um, when, Jesus, when Peter stopped focusing on Jesus, that's when the waves became overwhelming. And, you know, I don't, I don't say that lightly. Um, I, I don't, you know, it sounds a little pious maybe um, to focus on Jesus, but, but I do believe that, you know, if, if he makes clear something to us. And, and, and he's made many things clear to us through his word. You know, it is never God's will for you to abandon his church, for example. 
God does not call you to leave your church and, you know, take up hunting on Sunday or whatever. And it's just that is not God's call, period, ever. Uh, because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't speak against. He doesn't contradict himself. So, you know, we, we need to be careful how, how we, you know, talk our own desires into what, <laughs> you know, what we're doing. And make sure that that is really what God is calling us to do and wants us to do. But when we are attacked by difficult circumstances or tragedy in life or whatever it might be, it is a real danger. We are in real danger of falling away. Now, let me just ask you, have you ever known somebody who was, um, at least for a time, a faithful follower of Christ, uh, committed to God's church, um, but today lives completely apart from faith? I mean, of course we do. We all know people like that. Right? Well, and I'm not, I'm not surprised that we have several here who were that, that. But what happens? Well, we get our focus on the world, our priorities are, are something else other than what God has called us to do, and that is to be faithful followers of his, you know. So we need to take really, really seriously the danger that we face anytime difficulties come that could call us or cause us to focus on something else. And uh, we just have to remember that. So then um, Peter sees the waves and he starts going under. Now, let me just say this about um, Peter's faith. Peter did not lose his faith. And, and we need, how do I know that? Because what did he do when he started sinking? Jesus, you know, save me, you know. Okay, so he did make a colossal faith, uh, mistake there. But, but he knew who he believed in and who, where he would find help. And we need to remember that too, that when we do fail, and you know what? Every one of us does that. Every one of us sinks sometimes. And it can be a little sinking or it can be pretty deep. But whatever it is, we can call on Jesus and we find his strength and his help and his forgiveness. And we need to really remember that. Okay. So then Jesus, when, when that happens, he, he rebukes Peter. Uh, he says, he doesn't say though, Peter, you know, your, your faith is garbage or you have no faith or whatever. He says, you of little faith. <laughs> Pardon me. You have some, but not much. You know, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? So this is really what happens to us. Um, we may not doubt who Jesus is. You know, I have only one time in my life talked to someone who um, had been active in faith and, uh, as far as I could tell, a committed follower of Christ who then abandoned him and then said to me, I just really don't believe all that stuff. I don't think that, 
Jesus was God. I mean, he was a great guy and all that, but a good teacher. But, you know, I've decided I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, it's only one time, and I've been with a lot of Christians for a long time, and a lot of people who have fallen away, but that's not what they typically say. Typically, they have lots of excuses, you know, whatever it might be. But they certainly don't say, I don't believe anymore, you know. Just the opposite, in fact. They will try to convince me that their faith is stronger than ever, even though they don't worship at all or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, So Jesus says, you of little faith. We often uh, focus on the wrong thing, and that doesn't work well. You know, our walk, water walking ability is only good if, if we are tuned in to the source of power. Okay? So, uh, you know, <laughs> it is a little funny in this story if you think about what Peter actually means. Rock. <laughs> so, what happens to a rock on the water? Yeah, it is not, gonna, <laughs> it is not likely to stay on the top. Uh, <clears throat> that is only possible with Jesus. So um, let's just think about that, see how we can relate that to life. So does, can we trust Jesus to give us the help we need when we need it? Where are we going to find that? Well, more than anywhere else, we're going to find that in his word, in uh, Bible study and worship, being with others who follow him, and letting them seek God's will with us. I want to just give you an example. Um, let's say we're having trouble at work. Um, somebody has been critical of how we do our work. So I bet Chris has that every now and then. <laughs> so, so what do we do? Well, does the Bible give us any direction here? Well, of course it does. It says... We're to do whatever we do, whatever our job is, as though we were serving God with that job. So that means we're going to be faithful in the work we do, and we're going to do the best we can do because it's as to the Lord, as unto the Lord. That's, well, that is very important. And, um, you know, does the Bible um, tell us anything else? Well, usually problems at work are related to relationships about 99% of the time. So am I supposed to be angry? Seek vengeance? No. The Bible tells us that's not the right way. The scripture would exhort us instead to talk to each other. What a novel idea. To actually sit down and uh, discuss whatever it is that is troubling us. Also tells us to be caring and kind in the face of unkind words. Oh. Well, let me just ask you. If, if you're in a, an explosive situation at work and you are kind and caring in spite of what someone has said, is that going to pour gas on the fire? Or it, No, it, it diffuses it. And... and You know, really the truth is, if we know God's word and actually lived by that, we would have a whole lot less trouble. That doesn't mean we're going to be without trouble. Um, You know, how do we handle a boss when, uh, whom we think uh, is against us? 
Is, is there a biblical way to do that? Is there an unbiblical way? Well, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus during those kinds of storms? Well, it means to actually put into practice with those people that we are with wherever we are, whether it's family or neighbors or, or work colleagues, the things that reflect Jesus. And if we can do that, then God will bless that and, and he will see us through that storm. That doesn't mean that there are no waves. Yeah, that's not what it means. Uh, there might be some waves. Uh, what about in church? Is it, is it really any different? I mean, do you ever have conflicts in church? Heard a heartbreaking story uh, just in the last couple of days about a church that, oh, in a fight over, of course, nothing. It's just unbelievable, really. And a church that was 250 people is now 12. It's just heartbreaking. But, you know, there was no desire on the two parts, the two sides, to sit down and talk to each other. There's no example of love in their relationship. No forgiveness. So where is Jesus in that equation? It's not, he's not the one you're looking at. We're looking at a lot of waves, and that's destructive. So, um, you know, <laughs> um, if, if we seek his guidance in his word, you know, for 90% of our situations, we're going to have the guidance that we need. Um, okay. Now, one other thing that is uh, really important in this text is, is something Spurgeon said. He said, Peter was nearer his Lord when he was sinking than when he was walking. You know, God is closest when we're going under. And I do believe that. I do believe it. Um, I believe that it is really in those terribly difficult, stressful situations of our failure or our whatever it might be. It might be, uh, you know, anything. It can be a health problem. It can be, I just think that we experience the closeness of God in a way that we do not experience that otherwise. And I'm sure that all of us have examples of that. Um, you know, just um, times when God is, is near. I, I know that um, we were facing a, a real critical kind of issue in our church in Germany and there was um, you know two factions had begun to build and um, it did not involve us in fact we had already we were kind of on the way out we were had already resigned and were making preparations to move but it was quite distressing to see the church and to see the leadership suddenly where they'd been for 16 years I mean just one 
heart, mind, and soul, and suddenly this um, disagreement had arisen, and it just got was getting out of hand. Um, and I wasn't in the meetings because we were leaving, but I, boy, you sensed it in the church. You sensed it in the worship service. You saw God stop working in the worship service. You saw suddenly a coldness instead of a unbelievable warm warmth. And uh, I was distressed. I was distressed because you know you're just thinking, gosh, what will happen? And um, one one morning, one morning, I was um, walking. I always did a long walk um, there, and every, about five times a week. And I was just praying as I went and saying, "Look, you know." We can't leave like this. I mean, we got to get this worked out, you know. And what do I do? And, um, you know, God reminded me of uh, the verse, uh, talk with each other. And it was just like, in a moment, there was absolute clarity there. I stepped into the door and said, Nancy, I know what I have to do. I have to get them together at a table, and we have to talk. Everybody gets to say their piece, and and we have to be, become one again. And um, was an amazing experience of repentance and forgiveness, and it was just I've seldom experienced something like that. But there is no question that that is what God wanted uh, us to do. Well. You know, that was his word. That was just, you know, and really seldom in my life have I felt that kind of closeness to God. Actually, in one of the most critical times ever, you know. So we can take some comfort in that. You know, Jonah, um, he is the same way. You know, he, he was not close to God at all till he was in the belly of the whale. Uh, he said, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. <laughs> I love that verse. Uh, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you and your holy temple. So I've been running away and not doing what I was supposed to do. And now I'm in the belly of a whale and bing, I got it now. <laughs> I remember now what I need to do. And he experienced God's power, but also his closeness. David writes in Psalm 73, I'm just going to read some verses picked from that. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Ooh, that could happen to us, couldn't it? They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not uh, plagued by human ills. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. (laughs) It kind of makes you chuckle, doesn't it? Because, of course, we... You know, don't we do that sometimes? We look around us and we see how the, you know, the pagan, you know, 
thrives and is as unjust as they can possibly be, and we go, how can that be? Well, maybe we come closer to God when we enter his sanctuary. And then we recognize whose side we're on and that that is a better side to be. We're on the winning side. Amen. Yeah. Oh, that's a song. I, I don't know that song, but I like, I like the title. <laughs> when uh, we're in the middle of a storm, trust really means that knowing God is in control and acting according to his will. So we need to remember that. And then finally, um, you know, uh, faith is something that should be growing. We should have a growing faith. So what is the climax of this story? The climax is not a miracle of nature. It's not when they step inside the boat again and the waves are still. It is instead the change of the disciples' hearts. Because what do they do? Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know what the other disciples had been doing all that time. I'm sure, I mean, do you think they were standing on the side saying, go for it, Peter, you can do it, you know, touch down, you know. I don't believe so. I think they were saying, you are an absolute idiot. You know, get your toe back in the boat. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, right. We told you so. We told you so, right? Probably, probably. Uh, you don't have that kind of faith and trust that Peter had in the others. But their hearts were changed. And this is, the, this is the first place in the Gospel of Matthew where the identity, the true identity, is the Son of God himself, where Jesus is identified and worshipped as the Son of God. It's the first time. And it's in the boat after a very dangerous storm. So we need to remember that because our faith, it really grows through those kinds of trials. We are stronger because of what we have to go through. Now, that obviously does not mean that we just, you know, think, oh, great, today's going to be a terrible day, so a chance to grow in my faith. That is not what we do, of course, you know. But if it is a terrible day, we need to be seeking to grow through that and letting God work in our lives. Um, when we grow in faith, we really come to confess the identity of Jesus and worship him. All right. So worship is the, is the outpouring of real faith. And, you know, we would have so many people today who have absolutely no interest in worshiping Jesus. It just, it's just not on the calendar, you know. Um, Sunday's my Walmart day, you know. And um, it's, just, it's just heartbreaking. And you, you have to say, it, 
can't be real. Because what happens when there is real faith is worship. It is a desire to worship. And so, you know, we need to be aware of that. That is not to criticize anyone else. Not at all. But it maybe is to call them back to Christ and to a genuine relationship to him. So very important. Um, so I don't, I don't really want to go through the storm. But if I do go through a storm, I hope I can get out of the boat. You know. Say that again. I want Jesus on my side. Yes, indeed. And, and you know what? He says, all you got to do is call. All you got to do is call. And, and I believe that. I think most especially in those times when we are genuinely clueless, when we just say, I don't know what to do here. Uh, we need to call on him. And I believe that he answers. It, it may not be exactly the answer we were expecting. And it may not really be something that we're comfortable with. But I believe that he, that he will answer. Um, you know, when, when we had that situation um, and were suddenly, you know, without uh, a salary and really to know how to, that was possible... Luckily, we were still on the um, on the staff at the Baptist College in in um, Arkansas, so we had several months to try to work things out. And you know, I I just have to say, it it is still awing to me how God did all of that. I mean, uh, let, let me just give you. Do I have time? Let me give you an example or two. You know, uh, you, you can't raise money to be sent as a missionary without having some sort of organization to do that. But try setting up a nonprofit organization. It costs thousands of dollars. It's a very, it's a legal nightmare. It's difficult. And you know, we had we checked that all out, and it just seemed it just seemed impossible, really. Oh, for one, we didn't have the money. And then one day, um, we were talking to this, um, this other missionary, and he said, oh, you don't know about so-and-so? I forget the name of the place. I need to ask Nancy that again. But um, he said, it's um, a group of believer, believing lawyers, and they aware of the situation for people who were trying to go as independent missionaries, they set up a, an umbrella organization, and you do that. They'll show you how to do it. It's a very simple matter, and they will do uh, everything for you. They will set it up. They will do your taxes. They will. <laughs> it was just so simple. It was just amazing. And in one day, you know, I drove to Dallas and sat down with a guy, just a delightful Christian, and it was just amazing the stories he had of how they had helped different missionaries all around the world. And, you know, he said, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. We'll set it up. And uh, the whole years that we were there then, the, that worked out that way. Um, 
we had the problem of, you know, we didn't have a place to live. And, you know, just getting on the plane. And um, so the house we had been in was up for sale. Well, but I mean, we couldn't afford that house. In Germany, to buy, to get a loan, you have to put down like 20% of the value of the house or 30, something like that. It's a lot. And uh, we didn't have that. And um, we're having dinner with these people who had been one time to Weimar. They'd come with a group, one time, a single time. And, um, you know, they were very supportive of our work and all that. And so we're walking out. They'd ask, because as we were fixing to leave, they said, you know, what, um, what about your house, you know? And uh, I said, well, this is a situation. I guess we, we can't do that. So I guess we'll be trying to find something to rent or I don't know what we'll do. I guess we'll just go back and stay with somebody till we can find a place to live. I didn't know what we'd do. And we're walking out and he pulls me over the side and he said, you know, I'll just buy that house. I said, what? He said, yeah, I'll just buy the house. Can you work that out? I just, I was just completely awed. And he said, and then you decide how much you can pay a month and you just pay me back. Was as simple as that. Was done in a week. I just couldn't believe it. You know, and really every single thing worked out. When we um, left, we had asked people to, you know, who wanted to support us, they did it through this nonprofit organization and um, <laughs> but but when we left when we got on the plane not a single penny had been put in the bank account <laughs> and you know though by the end of the month it was all there we were there seven years like that and not a single time were we short not a single time so you know, the waves were big, but Jesus is bigger. And whatever we face, he can be with us. He is with us. Okay? All right. Let me lead us in our closing prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the good things you do for us. And Lord, we know that there are storms. In fact, it seems that our whole world is in a storm now. And it is frightening, the unknown nature of things, just the whole problems of our world and society are frightening. But Lord, we don't have to fear because we have somebody who walks on water. And Lord, I pray you would give us the courage that we need to walk with you. And um, Lord, we know that you are above all things. And so give us the courage to get out of the boat and keep focused on you live for you, whatever those challenges and problems are that we're facing, let us just trust you because you are the one who can calm the storm. And we ask that in your powerful, powerful name. Amen. So glad you came. <laughs>